0: Now, it's uh, already been read to us, we're looking at Psalm 3 this evening, and um, previously we've looked at Psalm 1 and 2, two Psalms of introduction to the whole book of Psalms, in fact, and um, they are uh, introducing something to us which uh, has been uh, used by God's people um, for centuries to sing, to pray, to Uh, communicate uh, with God uh, as well as allow the Lord God to speak to us. But this evening, I want to look uh, at four areas uh, in this psalm. Uh, First of all, David's problem. Secondly, David's confidence. Thirdly, David's assurance. And fourthly, David's prayer. Psalm 3 is a song. It is written during a time when David's enemies uh, had him on the run. He was uh, scared for his life. Uh, in particular, he was running away from Absalom, his, his third son. Uh, Absalom's name, by the way, was uh, translated father of peace, which was couldn't be further from the truth in his case. Um, but he... Uh, David's son Absalom sought to usurp King David's authority. David had been anointed king previously, and yet Absalom thought that it was his place uh, to be king. And so um, he tried to take over the kingdom and the throne. He eventually was killed in battle. And if you want to read the whole story of that, you can read it in 2 Samuel 15. But even in this predicament, it's interesting that David was able to write a song. He had a song in his heart, given to him by the Spirit of God, no doubt, because that's what the Scripture tells us. He had a song in his heart, and I suppose right at the very outset of what we're looking at this evening, that is a real lesson to us, that we, in times of difficulty, can look to the Lord for a song, and we can even use The Psalms as songs and prayers uh, to come before the Lord and cry out to Him. You'll remember in uh, Acts of the Apostles, chapter 16, that that Paul and Silas were in a difficult time. They were stuck in prison. They had been captured for preaching the gospel and had been put into prison. And they began to sing songs and praises to the Lord um, because they knew the Lord's presence even in that most difficult period. And so, as I say, there's a real lesson for us there uh, to be able to capture uh, God's heart in singing psalms and singing songs of worship to him at a time of trouble. But anyway, as I say, David's uh, psalms, uh, written by David and others um, throughout the book of Psalms, 150 of them, they are uh, an instruction to us from the Holy Spirit of God. Um, It's true of all Scripture, of course. Scripture has a purpose. It's not just to make us, give us warm feelings on a Sunday evening when we look at them. There is a purpose in God's Word to us. 2 Timothy 3.16 identifies some of the purpose uh, of the Scripture. It says there, all Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. And perhaps even this evening, the Lord will use these, what might we call them biblical tools, if you like, uh, to to operate on our lives uh, as we look at this psalm. So we have something to gain, something wonderful to gain from Psalm 3 in that respect. This psalm, as it says, written by the Spirit of God through David's hand. And the Lord Jesus Christ used these psalms uh, whether during his childhood, in times of worship, songs, psalms of ascent, going up and down uh, to worship God. Um, Jesus would use these psalms, but he also used them as prayers and uh, sought to To bring solace to himself even during difficult and troublesome times. So we too as believers can benefit from Christ's singing of these songs uh, along with uh, David. So first of all then David had a problem and his problem was persecution. David was being persecuted. Now you'll remember the story when in 1 Samuel 16, I think it is, where um, Samuel the prophet goes up to the house of Jesse to try and find the, the boy who will be the next king. And he uh, has a look around all of these boys and is about to uh, anoint one of them. Um, and the Spirit of God st- stops him. And eventually, uh, David is brought forward and is anointed king. So David had already many years ago perhaps had received the anointing and uh, it's interesting to note that sometimes between the anointing and the throne uh, can be a considerable period of time and so David is suffering persecution in between times from that anointing until the time he arrives uh, as king and he uses these words in verse 1 of psalm 3 Lord, how many are my foes? How many rise up against me? Now, David had uh, had serious trouble with foes in the past, and so he uses the word how. It's translated, that word is put in there to try and give us an emphasis on the, the enormity of the problem that David is facing here. This is not a few renegades that have Taking up cudgels against him, but this is a huge problem to him. How many are my foes? How many rise up against me? He was not the fearful type. He wasn't the type to run away, and yet he was aware of the challenges that were around him. Some people relish battle. I'm not sure if David relished it or not, but. Um, and there are those who who hate battle, who who would back down from it uh, all the time. But here is a man who we are told fought the lion and the bear. Now I don't know if you've ever faced uh, anything like that. I haven't. <laughs> I would not going to give you a, a tremendous story of of bravery, but uh, I have a friend in Rwanda whose uh, father was a cattle keeper. And he and his brothers were sent out uh, at night to guard the cattle. Um, He's now a bishop in the Anglican Church and survived it all. But he would tell us as as boys, um, in the night, animals, wild animals would come and try and take the cattle, take one or two of the cattle away. And he said one night he was out in the, the darkness and they counted 60 hyena who were on their way to try to take hold of some of the cattle and these wee boys were sent to to challenge these hyena and to chase them off and he was very proud of the fact that he and his brothers managed to chase away all these hyena and saved the cattle from being uh, destroyed and here is the situation that David found himself in all of his brothers seemed to be um, further up the food chain than David and here he was looking after the sheep but God was using that experience that David was in to prepare him for this kind of event that was to come later on in his life he fought the lion and the bear and he protected the animals from them and a fearful situation it would have been and so the pressure that David was feeling with regard to his foes must have been palpable because he had faced all sorts of dangers in his life and yet on this occasion he's crying out to the Lord saying how many are the foes that stand around me David here is in the minority which is always a challenging place to be and I'm sure some of us have faced that from time to time it would appear that his opponents seem to be gathering and gaining in number Verse 2 says this, again emphasizing, how many are saying of me, God will not deliver him. The ESV translation puts it like this, I understand there is no salvation for him in God. Can you imagine the, the fear that that was intended to engender in his heart? Can you imagine the the blood-curdling threats that had been cried out to David by his enemies <coughs> as they roared out words of intent uh, to, to try to kill him. There was a man who, who was one of David's trusted um, friends at one time, uh, an advisor of David, his name was Ahithophel, and he had left David behind and gone to join Absalom. And so not only was David's enemies surrounding him and growing in number, his friends were deserting him as well. And they sided with Absalom and the other conspirators against David. And of course, we can learn a lesson from that also. Our enemy, Satan, the enemy of our souls, will at times seek to whisper into our ears, there is no salvation for you in God. That's what he'll try to say. He will throw in a few reminders of past sins, perhaps, to emphasize the point. He wants us to remember our past, but of course, as someone once said, it's always a good idea to remind him of his future. And so, uh, the enemy wants us to be scared he wants us to feel like the enemies around us are so huge that we can't do anything about it. But we've been asked to, in the Scripture, to make sure that we don't give in too easily to these kind of lies. John 8:44 tells us that the devil is a liar. And so we can immediately respond in our hearts by saying, what the devil is saying to me here is a lie because he is a liar. In fact, he is the father of lies, we're told. And we're told also that we can put on God's armor as a means of defense. Now, David, if you remember, had armor for somebody else thrown on him. Saul's armor put on him and it nearly crushed him. It was so heavy and so big when he was younger. And yet we have been given armor to wear and we've been asked to put it on In Isaiah 59, 17, we're given a a kind of list of the armor of God there, and it's repeated for us very much in Ephesians 6 and verse 10 and onwards. Therefore, it tells us we can put on the full armor of God. And again, it lists for us there a, a wide range of armor that we can put on to protect ourselves against the devil's schemes. And so we need to understand that the devil create schemes in order to try and manipulate us and twist the truth of the Word of God. He did it from the very beginning in the Garden of Eden, and he does it to us now. He tried it with Jesus uh, on one occasion. But we don't work in our own power. We don't serve God in the power that we have engendered for ourselves. We do it through the power that the Spirit of God has given us in Christ Jesus. When Jesus was hauled up before the the um, courts, we're told that he could that they could find no fault in him. There was purity over power. There was no big challenge, no big fight. He had the whole of heaven's angels that could come. There, there, some of you may be old enough to remember a, a hymn or a song that says. Um, he could have called 10,000 angels to destroy the world and set them free. And it goes on to say, but he didn't do that. He died for you and me alone, for you and me. So Jesus could have called on all the power of God, and yet it was his pu- purity that protected him on that occasion. Jesus in the wilderness, which I referred to earlier on in Luke 4, was tempted of the devil and the devil said to him again coming with a lie if you are the son of God and again going back to David's situation they were challenging him on his anointing as king here the devil is challenging Christ on his place if you are the son of God and so he begins to tell him the kind of things that would happen if he just bowed down and worshipped him Satan, in one kind of way, is saying, well, I could be for you a better Savior than the Lord God. And that's what he says to us. I can do it better. If you bow down and worship me, put your trust in me, I'll make it all right for you. And, of course, Jesus' reply was this. What does the Scripture say it is written it is written we need to take hold of god's word and understand and deliver that as a, a sword of the spirit as we're given in ephesians to defend ourselves and to attack with as well so as we can see the devil wants to tell us lies and of course uh, the, the world's philosophies today Well, you can tell just by looking at some of the philosophies that are out there that the devil is all over them because they're so twisted and uh, they veer away so far from the truth of the Word of God. And as, as all the time he's saying, Listen to me, hath God said, I can be a better Savior than He? And so David was in trouble. But in verse 3, we find a change comes about. David finds affirmation, confidence in the Lord. Verse 3 says this, But you, Lord, are a shield around me. My glory, the one who lifts my head high. Can you imagine that? Can you just envisage that for a moment? You are a shield around me. The Roman army were were excellent at doing shield defense. They would all gather underneath shields and have shields up either side, huge tall shields, shields on top, shields back and front, and they would move forward under these shields. And here's David saying this very thing. He's saying, Lord, you have become like a shield around me. You're the one who is my glory, the one who lifts up my head. David deliberately turns to the Lord God for help. And he recognizes that God's help is available to him. His concentration, his focus, changes from from what was a problem to what is the solution to this problem. Lord, you are my shield. And again, Ephesians 6 talks about the shield of faith. Hebrews 11, verse 3 says, By faith we understand that the universe was formed at God's command, so that what is seen was not made out of what is visible. By faith we understand. So faith is so key and so important to us as Christian believers. It is a shield, it is a defense mechanism against the words of the enemy. So, it's important for us to know that it's not by understanding. This is how the world works. They, they produce a form of understanding in order to have faith in something. So, a textbook will be written. Read that, and then you can believe what I've got to say. But Jesus says that we have faith, and by our faith in Him, we can understand that the worlds were made his command. We don't need a textbook necessarily, we need the scripture to tell us. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. We read it, we we meditate upon it, we believe God's word. He speaks to us, and we trust him with our lives as a result. The Bible tells us that we live by faith. In other words, by hearing God's Word. We live by faith and not by sight. You see, if we were to look out on the world today and those things that are round about us, there are so many challenges out there for for Christian believers that we can begin to sink, as, as Peter did on the day when he stepped out of the boat. He began to see the waves. He began to see the problems. But we live by faith, and there's the challenge for us. We live by faith. We live by hearing the Word of God, not by sight, which is all of the stuff, all the challenges around us. What does God say in the situation that we find ourselves? And so David is is beginning to turn to God and to look for the solution in Him. Verse 3, it talks about my glory. David has, at this moment in time, lost all earthly glory due to the the enemies that have turned against him. And uh, he is struggling. He he has no earthly glory. The king was meant to be presented in earthly glory. He would be presented with robes. He would be presented with a crown. He would be presented with all sorts of uh, uh, equipment. But David's glory had been taken away from him by his enemies. And he begins to turn to the Lord who is his real glory. Jesus' prayer before being arrested, he says this in John 17, verses 4 and 5, I have brought you glory on earth by finishing the work you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory i had with you before the world began you see david here is referring to that similar thing he's saying you're going to lift up my head you're going to bring glory to me you're going to be the one who who brings the crown and not those who are fighting against me at this moment in time you know Years ago, when, when young boys were going off to war, maybe their mom would shout after them, keep your head down. And maybe still do that at times. But David was in a position when he knew God had spoken and he had been anointed king. But his glory had not been revealed. His glory had been taken from him. And Andy has been taking us through Genesis uh, a few weeks ago. And he told the story in Genesis 40 of Pharaoh's cupbearer who was with him in prison. And he says, within three days, this word that was given to him from God to give to the cupbearer, within three days, Pharaoh will lift up your head. And all that meant was he was going to be given the position that was his position. he, He had been removed from that position wrongly and put in prison. But Joseph was able to tell him that one day, in a few days' time, you will be put back in the position that you were meant to have. Pharaoh will lift up your head. In other words, he's going to give you your position back again. You will be restored. And so the Lord lifts David. He lifts his head up. Psalm 45, verse 7, You love righteousness and hate wickedness. Therefore, God, your God has set you above your companions by anointing you with the oil of joy. You see, God wants to elevate David. He wants to give him his position back. He's given him his position because he loved righteousness and hated wickedness. And of course, again, there's something that we can learn from that as well, that we can see God's blessing in our lives as a result of that. So not only is the Lord able to lift David's head, which is bowed down by the kind of hostility around him, but he will lift up his head to receive the crown one day, the crown that is rightly his and not Absalom's. Of course, one day Jesus was lifted up in a very different way And that's where the essence of the gospel comes. He was lifted up for our salvation on the cross of Calvary at one day. He received a crown on that day as well, a crown of thorns. But he said this in John chapter 12, verse 32. He said, and I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men to myself. So there was a purpose that he was not taken right to glory, but he was lifted up from the earth like the serpent in the wilderness in order that men would be drawn to him, that men could see what he had done, what he had achieved, what he had given for us, and that is our salvation. Philippians chapter 2 verse 5 gives us this about Christ. But it encourages us to think about it with regard to ourselves. It says this, verse 5 through to verse 11. Have this mind among yourselves. In other words, you think about this as well. Have this mind amongst yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God as something to be grasped. Not like Adam, who was told, well, you'll be as God. If you you eat this fruit, you'll you'll, you'll get everything, and you'll be as God. But he emptied himself by taking on the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And so even though the enemy wanted to remove that away from him, to take that away from him, one day, one day he was given his place anointed of God seated uh, on the throne in heaven but with the father and then thirdly David receives assurance from the Lord verse 4 says this I call out to the Lord and he answers me from his holy mountain I call out means to to kind of Make sure you use your voice, it's not something you dream or something that you think about uh, or meditate upon, it's it's an actual event, speaking out uh, with your voice. We speak out our prayers uh, in our own own words, telling the Lord how it is, how the struggle is going. And we can make a a prayer of, of this psalm because we are in Christ. This psalm speaks of my situation, perhaps. Maybe it speaks of your situation. It's maybe not exactly it, but it speaks of your situation. And so we pray it. We say, Lord, these are the problems that I'm facing. It's just like what David was facing in some ways, but not so severely, perhaps. But it's like that. His holy mountain is Mount Zion. Absalom had captured Mount Zion in this story. And uh, he tried to to remain in charge of the mountain. And uh, it's important for us to know that Mount Zion is the Lord's holy mountain. Although Absalom had captured it, it was the Lord who remained in charge of it. And it's the similar situation in our lives where where we find ourselves in deep trouble. We find ourselves being kind of assailed all around. We find ourselves being perhaps like we're captured somehow. We've been caught somehow. And the usurper of uh, our place, the enemy of our souls, takes ground that doesn't belong to him. But that doesn't mean that the Lord has lost control. The Lord is in control. Romans 8 tells us that what then shall we say in response to this? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not always, also along with him graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? Any charge against those whom God has chosen. It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus who died. More than that, who was raised to life is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble? Here's what we're talking about here. Shall trouble separate us from the love of Christ? Shall hardship or persecution that David was... Suffering or famine or nakedness or danger or sword, as it is written, for your sake we face, de- face death all day long. We are considered sheep to be slaughtered. David's enemies were saying this kind of thing to him you're, sl- you're just like sheep to be slaughtered. David knew all about that. But the enemy did not own the ground, he did not own the mountain. And one day he would have to give it up. It says, No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. You see, it's by faith and not sight. For I am convinced that neither death nor life nor angels nor demons, neither in the present nor in the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now, he's covered just about everything there. If you, if you look at that list, it's covered everything. There is nothing that can stand in the way. Nothing will be able to separate us. Verse 5 says, I lie down in sleep. I wake again because the Lord sustains me. The relief that David is sensing now it begins to come to him. He's saying, imagine in my circumstances. Imagine with all these enemies around me. Imagine with all this trouble going on in my life. He says, I lie down and sleep. I wake again because the Lord sustains me. He understood where he was at. These words, the Lord sustains me in, and I lie down and sleep can be translated. The Lord is my pillow. He gives me sleep. And so, David was beginning to understand that in this battle, the Lord was on his side. Verse 6, I will not fear, though tens of thousands assail me on every side. He's beginning to stand up with boldness now. He's beginning to see the answer to the problem. This is a certainty as David sleeps that the Lord has seen his plight and has heard his cry verse 1 John 5 verse 14 says this this is the confidence we have in approaching God that if we ask anything according to his will he hears us and if we know that he hears us whatever we ask we know that we have what we have asked of him and so finally as we close David ends with a prayer verse 7 arise Lord deliver me my God, strike all my enemies on the jaw, break the teeth of the wicked, destroy those that are coming against me, Lord. That's what he's saying. He is recalling some of the um, words used by Moses when, when the the Ark of the Lord was sent out in Numbers chapter ten. Um, Moses would use these words, Rise up, Lord. May your enemies be scattered. May your uh, your foes flee before you. Strike the jaw. It refers to a rebuke. Strike the jaw to slap someone on the face. It was was like a rebuke. Break the teeth means to to disarm and render harmless and and broken the, the enemy's weapons. And verse 8 finally says this, from the Lord comes deliverance. In, in the, the uh, ESV, I think it uses the term salvation belongs to the Lord. Salvation belongs to the Lord. From the Lord comes deliverance. May your blessing be upon your people. And again, just as we close, uh, in Psalm 121, it tells us there, I lift up my eyes from where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord. And it's so important that we do not allow the enemy to capture our minds and capture our souls and bring us down. He's there, he's around us. There are many, many enemies that we can face in this life. But we must, like David, be able to to see that the Lord is the one where our help comes from. And so, just like David... We need to see our deliverance in God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We too are in Christ. We are in him and we can be sure that he is with us in all of the challenges that we face. Let's pray together. Father, again, we give you thanks for your grace and your favor. We thank you for your word and we pray that you would distribute it according to your will and purpose. May your name be glorified and lifted up even amongst us this evening. And let us go, Lord, knowing that you are on our side and you're the one who delivers us. Be with us now, we pray.